evangelical is not presented in a positive light in the press, and causing some to question whether we even should use it anymore. What's the meaning of being an evangelical, and what do we need to do to reclaim the heart of what it means to be evangelical? Matthew Bennett helps us with this new book, Hope for American Evangelicals, a missionary perspective on restoring our broken house. And Matthew Bennett is associate as assistant professor of missions and theology at Cedarville University. He joined the faculty at Cedarville in 2017 after serving as a missionary in North Africa and the Middle East for six years. And he joins us this morning. And good morning, Matthew. Good morning to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. So, Matthew, as we get started, what are, do you think, some of the biggest challenges facing the um, American evangelical church today? Hmm. Well, I think there's a, a number of hot button issues, and it's kind of a take your pick sort mm-hmm. of uh, sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the biggest risk that we have is a generation of, of people coming up and hearing that word evangelical associated with any number of uh, uh, any number of negative associations, and therefore saying, you know, is this even something I want to hitch my horse to? Is mm-hmm. this something that I I want to be part of, and I, I want to argue that, man, those those core essential elements of evangelicalism that focus on the cross of Christ, on the centrality of the authority of Scripture, the need for individuals to be converted to Christ, and then the vision of spirit-changed lives and outreach that have traditionally marked evangelicalism are right and good things. And so I want to retain some of the the beauty of that, despite some of the issues like our history with how perhaps we have engaged or at least been seen as engaging with tensions in issues of race, um, how we discuss issues of sexuality. um, And these are hot-button items, uh, let alone some of the, the ways that we engage in politics or even the aggrandizement of some of our our ministries that look more like celebrity pursuit than necessarily serving King Jesus. I I want to address those things. Right. So, and in your book, you address these things by going kind of room to room, looking at the American evangelical house, so to speak. So can you tell some of the rooms that you tour and what you're seeing there? Yeah. So there's kind of a running analogy, chapter by chapter, kind of walking you through my childhood home, um, kind of taking you along as I remember coming back to a space that was so formative and familiar, filled with so much nostalgia, but now coming back after having been gone for a season and looking at this space, preparing to sell it, um, knowing that my family was moving. And so uh, realizing that when you come back with a different perspective, the space uh, presents itself differently. You know, Mm -hmm. some of those things that were just the way you had accommodated your habits to working around some of the things that maybe didn't work as well, the sticky cabinets in the kitchen that you just pulled harder on. Uh, You start to look at those through different lenses if you're looking to sell the house rather than just kind of keep functioning in it. And so my idea uh, throughout the, the book is to look at each room, particularly through the eyes of somebody who's trying to see that room, that space, um, from an outsider's perspective. And I think mm. missionaries are uh, developing those skills for their cross-cultural ministry, but then when they come back home and apply those same skills, there's a, a helpful perspective that comes, that comes from that, the, that training, those mm. reflexes. 
So in each room, there's a different issue that kind of gets addressed. The, the dining room is focused around uh, what does it mean to come around a common table um, as mm. a diverse group of people? And so looking at issues of diversity and actually proposing that even though this is a hot button issue culturally, uh, with looking at a history of racial tensions in the, in the country and persistent issues that are identified as carryover from, from racism and even uh, some of the, that prejudice that remains, I want to propose that it's actually the church that has the resources to be able to address some of these pro- uh, problems, mm-hmm. that the broader culture is identifying issues like racial tension as brokenness, but without any sort of uh, undergirding hope that there could be some sort of a, a solution, a, a resolution, people are looking at the brokenness from the outside and hoping to create a fix. I want to propose that for the church, if we believe that there is one gospel that is making one people, that we're actually not addressing problems of racial division from a, a hope that we could create something of a unity, but rather we're we're working out to express what we are convinced is a fundamental unity. Mm. And so there's aspects of the way that we approach some of these issues that I think uh, can capitalize on the broader society identifying something that's wrong, mm. but then stepping in as the church and saying, we actually have the resources to address that. Mm-hmm. I think that's true in our political division. I think that's true in racial divisions and, and a host of other issues. Yeah. I'm talking with uh, Matthew Bennett, who has written the book Hope for American Evangelicals, but I, I want to turn this a little bit and get your thoughts on the differences that you've seen with your experience being in North, having been in North Africa, Middle East, and when it comes to evangelicalism, have you? What are some of the differences you've noticed between mm-hmm. us and there? Yeah, uh, probably one of the things that stands out most to me uh, personally is having lived in spaces where we've got Christian brothers and sisters who have never enjoyed the uh, the sense of being able to believe that the the government around them is intent on protecting their rights mm-hmm. um, and still seeing their faith as something that can be practiced without uh, without any question mm-hmm. um, and realizing that if you don't assume that the government is necessary to protecting your ability to practice your faith, that changes even the way that you relate to the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in the United States, we have had the incredible privilege for a long time of having our rights protected. Um, that's a, a central American uh, value, and the, the idea of individual rights, and I, I do pray that that persists. But I think that sometimes, because we have been so accustomed to putting such a priority on our rights and freedoms, that when there's something that comes uh, into conflict with that from a a governmental or political sort of uh, direction, sometimes we uh, we wonder if it's even possible on the other side of protections and freedoms to practice our faith. And I think our brothers and sisters around the world give a resounding yes to that, saying, mm-hmm. well, it's going to involve some, some persecution and suffering, but didn't Jesus say we were supposed to expect that? Um, yeah. That's right. So I want to go there for a minute because you do talk about this with our address, the relationship between our heavenly citizenship and our national citizenship, uh, because there's been 
a lot of talk about nationalism, and a lot of time that is pinned on the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. So how do we get rid of that label? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not as concerned with getting rid of the label as just calling us to a prioritization of where is our hope and to whom have we pledged our ultimate allegiance. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think uh, if we realize with brothers and sisters in places like China or throughout the Middle East where uh, their allegiance being pledged to King Jesus um, causes them to operate under his authority, um, including at times when that may come into conflict with the, the earthly authorities and mm-hmm. the consequences that that will obtain from that imprisonment or mistreatment uh, are things that they're gladly willing to endure for mm-hmm. the sake of being faithful to King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think just simply reorienting our thought to saying, who is the one to whom we've granted our mm-hmm. allegiance, and then how does that have bearing on where our hopes are, is going to in some ways answer those questions of saying, is it possible to have a Christian nationalism? I would be of the persuasion that no, because we're asking a lower kingdom to do the things that uh, have already been pledged to our, mm. our higher king. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. So, Matthew, um, for those that are um, leaders in the church, pastors, elders, deacons, people like that, can you give them some words of encouragement um, on how to shepherd their congregations in light of what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, in our society, we are very given to being uh, keyed up to feel like we have a need to speak into every issue at a moment's notice. Hmm. And oftentimes the issues are presented to us by means of a binary option. Either you're for this or you're against it. There is no in-between. But the binary is something that's being imposed from the world and from some of the categories that are being uh, cultivated and um, created by um, uh, political uh, ideals or or different things that are causing us to think that there are two ways of approaching an issue, Mm -hmm. when in reality, uh, oftentimes these things, if we were looking at them first through the gospel, um, we would see more of a sense of rejecting the false binaries and saying, I want to be a gospel person, not a red or a blue sort of yes, person. I yeah. think one, one example of this is oftentimes if somebody were to say, I'm somebody who is uh, supportive of the right to life, both the right to life from womb to tomb and the right to, to life at the border, uh, we might be uh, accused of holding incompatible uh, views, mm-hmm. saying that you know, these two things can't go together, so how can you be both? The only reason they can't go together is because typically one uh, one issue is associated with a, an end of the political uh, spectrum and the other with the opposite. And so we've ceded to some of these binary categories in our political way of looking at things the reality that they are incompatible when Jesus would push us to say, no, hold on, you're mm-hmm. not beholding to those categories. Um, so my suggestion then, I guess— long way of putting it would be for pastors, deacons, elders um, to grow um, in their ability to pause when presented with some of these issues, Mm. to encourage people to um, calmly 
approach the issues at hand and to intentionally take off the lenses that might be more shaped by political persuasion um, or some of the conservative liberal categories that we give to them and instead put on the gospel lenses and say, what, what would Christ call us to do in this situation? And how then would we look at these things differently? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is a great resource that we hope that folks will uh, definitely check out called Hope for American Evangelicals. Matthew Bennett is the author and our guest today. Matthew, blessings to you, brother. Thanks for joining us. Blessings to you guys, too. Thank you for having me on.